always trying to say, I've got a better deal for you. Have you ever heard that before? Honestly, have you ever had, and you, and you talk to them and they seem that they're going to sell their product to them and you're looking them in the eye and you're saying, you know, I am not going to change. Uh, once in a while, my wife and I had an opportunity in the past to go to Branson, Missouri. How many of you ever been to Branson? Raise your hand. Confession time. I like Branson, Missouri. I put a baseball hat on. Nobody knows who I am. And I get to just walk around with my wife, my beautiful, beautiful wife. And we enjoy the times down there. There's gospel singing going on. There's different things. There's this place where if you go in there to eat fish, they will throw you the roll. Hey, I want a roll. And they'll throw it across the room. And you can catch it one-handed if you really try. And if you, if you catch it just right, it just squeezes just perfect because... Butter goes in them, and it's just so good, you know. And so I go to those places for catfish and just have a good time sometimes. But in order to be able to really enjoy it, we have to listen to these people that are trying to sell you condominiums or places that you can lock into. How many have ever had that done before? And you're sitting there for three hours, okay, and you know in your mind that you're unmovable, but this guy's trying to move you. And so some of them will say, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're probably not going to buy this, but I got to go through the spiel. And then we'll give you the free night in the motel, you know. And so you're thinking, well, I'm unmovable in that area. That, that's the kind of thought. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm constant in my answer. The answer is always no. I'm consistent in that. And so when we're talking about being unmovable in 2022, we're not talking about being stubborn. I'm just plain stubborn. Somebody will come to me as a pastor because I'm a fundamental independent Baptist. I hear it all the time. I hear all the time say, well, you're just too old-fashioned, or you know what? You could have a whole lot more people if you just would compromise in some areas, or if you just think about this more. You know what? Write a book. I've got the book of books. I've got the Spirit of God leading, and I don't need all this input at times. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be stubborn, but I am unmovable in certain things. You're talking to a wall in certain things, and I will not move on those until Judgment Day. And so I thought it was, I thought it was interesting uh, at, this, at this conference because we were talking about the Bema Seat, and all of us will be there, by the way. If you have been born again, you will be at the Bema Seat of Christ. You will be at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul talked about it. We are supposed to be behaving and, and, and doing the work of the Lord in the right attitude, in the right spirit. If we're, you know, I had a one time years ago, I had a guy that was sweating like crazy and he's vacuuming and he said, I hope this is worth it someday. I'm thinking, well, that's not really the attitude that he needs to have doing this. Because the, the work of the Lord is not grievous. When I come into work here at the church, and there's a lot of things to be taken care of, it's not hard for me. I'm not, like, like mad or angry. Maybe in the earlier years, things weren't going the way I wanted them to go, so I got a little bit upset, perhaps, and maybe people saw that. But I really enjoy the work of the Lord. And I enjoy people around me that enjoy working for the Lord. And I, and I love to see that. And I think it's important for us to know that when we're talking about the Bema Seat of Christ, we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And that judgment is coming soon. And if you are not born again, you are going to be at the white throne judgment that takes, takes years beyond that. That great white throne judgment is when they will take you and cast you into the lake of fire if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then you will be raptured up uh, with the Lord and in the air. That seven-year tribulation will happen, and during that time we will be, be uh, having the, uh, the, the, the Lord's 
uh, the, the, the great feast and the, the supper that we have, that marriage supper of the Lamb, looking forward to that time. You think fellowship is good here? Wait till we get to heaven. That table is for eternity long, and you're going to see people that you've never seen for a while, and you're going to see your loved ones all there with you. You talk about a reunion, and by the way, it's coming. And it may just come in 2022. So I'm looking at this year as being unmovable, not being stubborn, but understanding that I am going to uh, believe certain things according to the scriptures that I'm not going to budge on. You can't fool me on certain things because I know what the word of God says. It's like if you are going to, if you are going to learn counterfeit money, you study, you study the dollar bill. You, uh, you look at the original one, and when a fake one comes along, you say, that's not real, put it aside, get the real thing. Amen? It's like if you go to a place and they have fake Coke, you know, versus real Coke, you know, fake Pepsi versus real Pepsi. Uh, you can tell the difference. And I know it's important for us to understand when it comes to the Bible. This is a high premium on this issue. And I, right now, I'm sounding like an evangelist, but the message is yet to come, and I'm aware of the time. But I think it's important for me to use this introduction time to help you to understand that in 2022, we need some people that are just plain unmovable. I'm not talking about about being stubborn. And, And I think that it's important for you to understand, dear friend, that the calling upon your life is to glorify God with your life. So everything that you do, you need to be thinking, am I doing this unto the Lord? Am I glorifying God? Why do I do what I do? Do I come in and do I have to shovel the walk and go, here I am. I'm the only one that takes care of the walkway. I'm the only one that cleans the garage. I'm the only one that cleans the toilets. Do you have that kind of an attitude? Or do you think, man, I get to do the work of the Lord? There was a lady named Diana Espinoza. Many of you might remember her. I would come in the church, and she's got music playing, and she's singing, you know. And she's in the baptistry tank scrubbing it. And she says, I am so thankful that I get to scrub the baptistry tank because people are getting baptized. And I praise the Lord that it's dirty at times because we're using it. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's not just being at the judgment seat. It's being there knowing that we're going to be there and we did things in the spirit of God rather than in the flesh or in our own flesh or in our own work. Because all that's working. This is what the guy spoke about yesterday, didn't he, Brother Kyle? It's pretty good stuff, Brother, Brother Mauricio. Good stuff, I know. And it was, it was important, Brother Brian, for us to hear that as deacons. Brother Darrell, I appreciate you guys coming. And Bob Keanu was there. What a blessing to have Bob there. And I think we had to have more men going. Brother Tom, I appreciate you being there. And then coming together as men and saying, okay, we understand that there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ, and I need to have the right kind of attitude doing that. So I need to be influencing people to have a better judgment seat. I want you to have a good time there with me, because I'm going to stand before God someday. 
I have given my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. I have repented of my sin. I have wept over them. And then I have asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and save me. I am a born-again Christian. And someday I'm going to stand before the God of heaven. And I'm going to stand before his throne. And I want as many people around me that are saying, that person influenced me to do something for Christ that lasted. He had eternity in his heart. He had a desire to do something for that was worth helping people. I think it's important for us to have that attitude. I think sometimes Christians think, well, I'm okay. I go to church on Sunday. I go to church, you know, Sunday morning. It's good enough. You know, I don't want to be a fanatic. You know, people at work make fun of me, you know. And so I was thinking about how you can help people and influence them uh, to have a better judgment seat, influence Christians, not just people, because because there is the great white throne judgment. So you're talking about how can I influence Christian, how can I influence believers to be able to have a better judgment seat? I think by, by, by being able to play the piano and encouraging them, right? That's special today, just as I am. He opened up with that song. He was his own arrangement. And, 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 you know, and, and many of you don't know, but it might not be an easy thing to always do that. But my heart was blessed with that. My heart is blessed when he, when he picks these songs. That last song that we sing, it might have been a little slow at first. My grandpa used to play that on a guitar. And I could just hear him playing that over and over in my mind. And he was an alcoholic. He was, he was in a gutter. He was a person who, who had his feet frozen because he was drunk. But God saved him and brought him out of all that. He didn't go to those places anymore. And he became a deacon. And I'm so thankful to hear that song because he believed in miracles. It blessed my heart. How can I help people? I had a, a better beam of seat by picking music that would glorify God and that would take us this way. So many times I see Christian music, I'm thinking, that sounds like the Bee Gees. That, that sounds like Elvis Presley or something. That sounds, like, that sounds like some rock band. And they're saying, well, this is, this, is, this is their good music in our church. No, it's not good music. It's ungodly. And I don't know what's going on in other churches. I know what's going on here. But I don't like what I see out there and say, well, you're being judgmental. Well, then let me judge and you just sit in the pew. And let me tell you that something weird is going on with what they call worship today. Because our God deserves us to be humble, not tattooed up all over. If you get tattooed up all over and you get saved, praise God. I preached to you when you were in the jail. I looked at you and I wept and I helped you through those times. And then you came out of it. You don't go up on stage and say, after this service, we're all going to get a tattoo. No, because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you think about your piercings and all that other stuff. You didn't fall into a tackle box. You purposely went down and got some piercings done. You say, well, pastor, you're just getting off 22 with a bad start. How would you start it? I want want you to know that there's something missing in our worship today. And I really believe it is because people are listening to what the man is saying rather than reading their Bibles. Rather than having an understanding of who God is and having it settled in their heart that this is the word of God and nothing is going to move me. Jesus does not change. I went downstairs last week to talk to the Spanish-speaking people for a little while. They don't speak Spanish. They had a translator. And I said to them, you know, I'm going to challenge you to read the scriptures all the way in 2022. 
read your Bible through in 2022 is the theme, so on, and trying to help people understand a little bit more. There's the, uh, there's the reading schedules out in the lobby, and you can take one and read it. But, but I was talking to him, I said, I said do, do you believe that the word was made flesh and dwelt among you? Yes, they believe that. Capital W, you read it in the scriptures. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The word was with God, and the word was God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How do we treat our Bibles? Jesus? How do we treat Jesus? In 2022, I, I hope you would have a better view of what the scriptures are. And how that it's settled in heaven what the scriptures were. The, the, the scriptures were actually all the way through eternity written. It's not something all of a sudden some men just came out and historically wrote things, some things out. Luke said there, you know, that there, there was those that were uh, you know, historians among us that had been witnesses, eyewitnesses of these things and, and, uh, and so on. But I want you to know that the greatest thing you can do in 2022 is get a, get a, get a bigger view of God through reading his word and reading it through. I was reading this week and going through Matthew chapter 5. Through Matthew, I, I read Matthew chapter 7 when I was supposed to read Matthew 5. And so on the 7th, I, have to, I had to read Matthew. I kind of goof things up sometimes. You're perfect, I know. Sometimes I mess things up. And uh, sometimes I'm convinced that I'm right, and I'm really not. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. It's called being right in your own eyes. <laughs> and so I have a wonderful life that tells me, well, that's not the way it is. I'm saying, what do you mean it's not the way it is? And then she'll tell me. And you know what? I like it when people say, this would be a good idea. And I thought what, what, how powerful it would be for us to be influencers. And you mentioned this yesterday, that I go to certain people. I go to sit down with Brother Ed Monroe. I'll go and sit down with, with Dr. Marriott. I'll call Pastor Coots. I'll call Pastor King. Because they have been influencers in my life to help me have a better Bema seat. And I really am interested in what they say. Sometimes I'll go up to Brother David and I'll say, Brother David, I need your help. What should I do in this situation? Brother Brian has been a big encouragement. Brother Daryl, thank you for your faithfulness. Because there, there needs to be some advisors. But when it comes to the final decision... I go to the word of God and I say, God, before I make this decision, I want you to show me from your word what is needed. Amen. I want to know this book. Well, I've been reading it every year for, for a long period of time. Uh, excuse me for the water, but I had a party yesterday with a lot of food. And I ate way too much. So my mouth is dry this morning. Whatever, I'll try to cool it a little bit. But look at you, if you would, at your Bibles, because I think it's important for us to go back to now, understanding a little bit more of what is happening in 2022, that there is a need for us to have an understanding of being unmovable in certain things. Now, when I first took the church, they had a little track out, and it said, fundamental, independent, evangelistic. And so I wrote three words that go along with that. Fundamental is your doctrine. Independent is your devotion. Evangelistic is your duty. 
So if you would take those three words and understand, this year I'm going to try to help us understand that I'm unmovable in my doctrine. That is absolutely essential. This is the way I believe. This is what I believe the Word of God is teaching me. And I think it's important for all of us to have that kind of thinking. Now, if you're trying to live without the Word of God, good luck. It's all you got. If, if you're living your life without the Word of God, you don't have really anything. But it's interesting as we look at these verses, because I really believe it's important for us to have a healthy view of the Word of God. I read a story, it was from over 100 years ago. And I'm amazed at what has happened in the last 120 years. Go back 120 years ago with me and think about this. It was 1898, and Ben had left the East for eight years to head out West in hopes to making a fortune. It goes on to talk about how that he wasn't rich, but he accumulated over 300 acres of good land, built a comfortable farmhouse on it, and that's the way we did it back then. He raised wheat, corn, all kinds of vegetables. He managed to build up his herd to over 200 head. Having accomplished all of this only in eight years, he decided that it was now time. And so he placed an ad in the New York, New York newspaper, wanted a good woman willing to be a pen pal. Marriage is a possibility, if it's the right woman. Before long, he began receiving letters from a woman named Molly. Their correspondence soon turned into love for each other. Now here stood, he stood in Kansas City at a train station waiting to finally meet her. And When the train arrived, there was a lot of women getting off the train and suddenly he saw her. Molly, over here! She looked his way. She walked over to him and smiled and gently took out her hand and handed it to him. He took it for a moment and then he let it go. She said, how did you know who I was? Then he reached back in the pocket of his overalls and it said from these letters. And there was no picture in them. He dropped his head a bit and said, oh yes, there are pictures in these letters. There's lots of pictures of your words. You see, I spent hours and hours reading every single word of your letter, looking at every little clue that would tell me what Molly was really like. He had fallen in love with her words. And I'm saying, have you fallen in love with Jesus? If you just read the words in red, you will fall in love with him because you'll know that that's Jesus. Study this year to get a better view of who God is, to get a better view of who Jesus Christ is. Psalm 119, not chapters, Psalm 119 is an incredible, incredible psalm. But I want to read to you a few verses at a time. I think in verse 89 through 91, we see what I would call the duration of God's word because I think that starting out this year with an emphasis on the word of God will help you to build that foundation and those spiritual disciplines that will be able to continue but also be unmovable. And other people are not going to move you away from what God has told you is right for your life.
The Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations, and thou established the earth, and it abides. By the way, that word abides means it stands, because he is the creator and the sustainer of all things, it says in Colossians chapter 1, talking about Jesus Christ. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. I was thinking about the duration of God's word, and I started thinking about other verses concerning the word of God. Isaiah 40, verse number 8 says, The grass withered and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The Bible says in Luke 16, 17, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle or one of the law to fail. In Psalm 102, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, they shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The Bible says in Isaiah 51, verse number 6, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall perish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. 1 Peter 1, 25 says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. It's important for us to understand that the word of God is unmovable. You cannot move me away from this book. You will have to peel it out of my dead hands to get me away from the Bible. I love the Bible that much. Every opportunity I can, I take time to go down to see Old World Wisconsin. Have you ever been there? How many have been to Old World Wisconsin? You that have not been there, and maybe you're new to the area, uh, go on down there. It's a good time. I, I see uh, what they developed, how things used to be. But I had the opportunity to go with a class the last time I went. And uh, uh, I was in the class sitting with all the little ones, and this guy came out, and he said, this is the blacksmith shop. And they would come, and they would fix the horse's you know, shoes, and they would make rakes, and they would make axes here, and, and this is the fire pit, you know. And, and, uh, but interesting to see that sometimes he was talking about how that these blacksmiths would go to a city, and they would spend two weeks with somebody who was a blacksmith, and the young man would learn the traits from him, and then he'd go to another city by horseback to another one and to another one, and pretty soon he developed... Because all of these tricks of the trade, if you would, made the best blacksmiths. But one of the things that they have is what they call the anvil. Someone wrote a poem concerning the anvil. Last, East, last eve, I paused before the blacksmith's door, and I heard the anvil ring the vesper chime. And looking in, I saw old hammers on the floor, worn by the beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear and batter all these hammers so? Just one, he said. Then there's a twinkle in his eye. 
The anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so I thought the anvil of God's word. For ages, skeptic blows have beat upon it. Yet though the noise of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unharmed. And all the hammers are gone. One of our evangelists used to say, the dog barks, but the caravan rolls on. I'm, a, I'm embarrassed for our Dane County Board here. 37 members on the Dane County Board. And only four of them are wise. We're in big trouble. I'm not trying to be mean. But where has our faith gone? Where has the scriptures gone? Where have those that believe that the God of heaven gave us a love letter? Where are they? They used to be on every street corner. We used to have it right in the, right in the, right in the classroom. Even when I was a young boy, we had to take a little rug out, and there was a time during the day where we rested. We opened up with the speaker, with the prayer over the speaker. We stood up and did the Pledge of Allegiance, and we did all of that. And now we have these educated idiots that think that they can tell us what to do. And if you don't do it, you're not going to live your life. Then so be it. Guess where I'm going? A place called heaven. And if they don't get saved, guess where they're going? This is all the heaven they'll ever enjoy. And they call me ignorant. Madison, you better wake up. Or they're going to call you Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. If you're in the workplace and you're bound up with a mask and you're listening to all of this stuff going on, you've got a pastor on his knees praying for you because it's very difficult to see what is going on in our culture. And it's not about your well-being. It's about control. And if you haven't figured that out now, you might just want to go ahead and have a cheeseburger and sit down and think about it because you'll see that this world is trying to control people. And one of the things that makes the other side so angry, the ones that are not saved, is because they can't control Mr. Coronavirus. And it makes them more angry because they can't control it. They're trying to. Remember the promise? They were going to wipe it out. But now it's even worse than ever. It's more contagious than ever. I want to tell you that it is real, dear friend. But I'll tell you what else. Our God is real. And he gave us his word to trust. And you know what? It was settled in heaven, and that's good enough for me. I was thinking about how many times I've heard people say, well, you're reading that old book. i got to keep going. It's way past time. The donation of the word of God. Not only the duration of it, but the donation. In other words, God's word is powerful. Look at verse 92 again, just 92 and 93. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in my affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. What a powerful thing. The word of God is powerful. I begin to read it at times, and it's it's basic. If I'm back in the Old Testament and I'm reading a portion of Scripture, I'm saying, wow, this is awesome. This is the Word of God, and how powerful this will preach. And I begin to say, Lord, thank you for showing me that. And he took the people and divided them into three companies, and he laid wait in the field and looked, and behold, I don't care where you open up, there's something to gain from this book. I think, especially in the Proverbs, 
But I need to move on. Because I want you to know that the word of God is powerful and it was meant to be powerful. I mean, in the beginning, God, right? But in the beginning, God said. So the word is actually important. God said, let there be a firmament. In the midst of the waters, let it divide the waters from the waters. In verse number 9 of Genesis 1, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. In Genesis 1.11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb yielded seed, and the fruit tree yielded fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. In verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, the beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. In Genesis 1, verse number 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. In Isaiah 55, 11, the Bible says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God's word is powerful enough to change you. What happened to you when you got saved? You were changed by the word of God, being born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 23. In order to uncover some of the problems with marriages, there's a study going on, and there's been a lot of research that's been done with couples and over the years, even decades. They have gone back and they retraced the steps all the way back to the wedding vows. They discovered something that was really unsettling. None of the factors one would guess might predict that couples' durability actually does not how in love a newlywed couple say they are, but how much affection they exchange, how much they fight or what they fight about. In fact, couples will endure, and those who won't look remarkably similar in the early days, but yet the psychologists went ahead and said, and of course this was a man by the name of Cliff Notorious, he was from the Catholic University, and Howard Markman of the University of Denver studied newlyweds over the first decade of their marriage, and they found very subtle but telling differences at the beginning of the relationships to the relationships after they were developed for a long period of time. Among couples who would ultimately stay together for five out of every uh, 100 comments that they, they made to each other, there was these put-downs. Among couples who would later split, 10 of every 100 comments were insults. The gap magnified over the following decade until couples heading downhill were fin- flinging five times as many cruel and unhealthy comments right in front of the children. Hostile put-downs will act like a cancer, not only in the person that is saying them, but the people that are listening to them and the people that are receiving them. Notorious and Markman, the co-authors, they wrote a book called We Can Work It Out. In the end, they really understand that it was the words that were the powerful thing that split up. 
I think it's important for us to know that the Word of God does give us eternal life. The Word of God helps us in other things also. The Bible says in John 1.13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Bible says in John 3, 5, And Jesus answered, Very, very, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. God gives us eternal life through his word. He also opens our eyes with his word. He gives us light. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs six twenty three says, For the commandments, the commandment is a lamp. And the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction is the way of life. Gives us an understanding that God uses his word to open our eyes. And also, we see also that it gives us comfort. How many have ever been really discouraged, and you opened up your Bible, and it encouraged your heart? The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse number 50, this is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. I love that word, quickened me. Because it's used also in the New Testament. What quickens you? (laughs) What quickens me and what ought to quicken the Christian is the word of God. It makes us alive. It makes us desire to go on living. It makes us to, to not only go on living, but being effective in our culture by paying our taxes and being gentle with people and helping them and encouraging them. Because it's not all about you. It's about others. If you're fighting to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lay your life down, you're going to keep it. Because God is the one that's in control. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse number 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 3, But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, to exhortation, and to comfort. What that's basically saying is that the pastor or even the speaker or the person that comes to you, sometimes they're going to make you uncomfortable with their speech. But sometimes they're going to be able to edify and encourage you with their speech. But sometimes they'll comfort you. And sometimes they'll irritate you. You know what I'm talking about. It's that godly person that comes in and they always say the same thing. Praise the Lord. And a time when you're having difficulties, you think, well, I want to do this without God. So that person irritates me. Why are they bringing the Lord into this? Let me tell you something, friend. Someday you're going to thank the Lord for that person that lit you up and helped you to understand and encourage you to be effective because there is going to be a beam of seat and a judgment seat for all of us. And so when we're going back to this understanding of comfort, we understand that it shows the reason for and the results of the affliction when we read the word of God. Because God is not afflicting you because he hates you. He afflicts you sometimes because he loves you. Go to your room. How many have ever had that happen to you? You go to your room and you think about what you said. So you're sitting in your room going, okay, think about what I said. Sometimes God says, go to your room. 
You know, it, it's better to sit in a room quiet like that and be thinking about the Lord rather than thinking about other things because sometimes when, when we're sent to our rooms, we're thinking, how long? How long do they want me to go to my room? Can I do things while I'm in my room? Just go to your room. It brings comfort and support during affliction. It leads us to a better life. It makes us alive because it gives us hope and gives us the power we need. Because the Bible says in Psalm 29, 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. You know, when I first began starting to preach, I would open up my Bible and it said, Howl ye, H-O-W-L. That's not how you spell my name. But I would open up the Bible again and it would say, Howl ye. I think, what is God telling me? Sometimes people say you get a little bit too loud in the pulpit. Well, then you talk to God about that because it says, Howl ye. Have you ever heard a wolf howl in the distance? I mean, what what kind of word is that? I I don't think I need to get up here and say, I just think that you just need to do the best you can during 2022. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Just be strong. Just be strong. No, I think God wants real men with real voices that'll lead and say, be strong in the Lord. And I'll show you how to do that. Spiritual discipline. I'm done preaching. I'm just going to talk to you a little bit because we're living in a time and a day that we are going through troubles and we need to continue to do things as normal as possible. I was a mailman. I was a mailman, and I took pride in that. I was hired right away. I got on the street. I, I liked going and delivering the mail. Sometimes you'd, you know, I got some bad areas. Sometimes they'd say, where's my check? You know, I'd say, I don't know. I don't have it today. You better get my check to me. I don't have the check, you know. But I remember most of the time going and being the mailman, it was... 16 below zero normally. And there's 60 below with the windshield factor. And guess what? The mail went through. I remember it being probably about maybe 38 degrees and raining. And the mail went through. I could have taken a person's mail and threw it against the wall and it would have stuck. But I was delivering their mail. I remember going back into my house at times with hypothermia and shaking because I was out in the cold for six hours. You get two hours inside, and you get two hours of setting it up. They do it all differently now. But whether there was rain, sleet, or snow, the mail was going through. That's what built America, that kind of an attitude. And if the Postal Service can do it, don't you think that God's people could do that? Some people let the dog out in the morning. If the dog comes right back because it's too cold, they say, I think it's time for me to just think about myself a little bit. I don't want to get frostbitten. 
I don't like the way, I don't like the way that they're actually brainwashing us to be more effeminate in our culture as men. If you watch the commercials, the women are always putting the men down. Watch them now. You know what manhood is like? Go back and see what it was like when they were actually taking the trees off this land and dragging them. They didn't get a, didn't get a bath for maybe a week or two when they built this country. Now we got people that say, I think it might rain tomorrow. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to say, listen, Bemacita is coming. Rain, sleet, snow, we better continue to do it. And these pastors need to continue to deliver the word of God. The Bible tells us this, and it helps us, because the word of God is what gives us the strength. And I went way too far this morning. Way too long. But I could preach another hour, but I'm not going to. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I think you've seen my burden this morning a little bit and my desire for the missionaries. When they come, I say, give us your burden. But this morning, your pastor has one. My burden is that you would take the word of God Because when church is gone, gathering is gone, you have the word of God in front of you that will strengthen you, that will give you eternal life, that will give you light and comfort and power. It will give you what you need, but you need to read it. You need to claim it. You need to be grateful for it. You need to practice it. And maybe this morning that's your issue. You've been going to the doctor. You've been going to the counselor more than you've been going to the word of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Won't you stand to your feet with me? I'm standing and I want you to stand too. I'm going to do things different. I'm going to call for a commitment this morning. I want you to come. If you commit your heart and your mind to seek out the word of God more this year than you did last year. And if that's the truth, I want you to come. I'm going to pray. And after the music, or after the prayer is done and the music starts, you can come and say, that's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the word of God more this year than I did last year. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in Jesus' name. Amen.